Alrighty, we are ready to get going. How's everybody doing out there? Hope you are doing well. My name is Andrew Kuhn. Thank you very much for tuning into the Focus Compounding Podcast. Sitting alongside, across the table, from Jeff Gannon. Jeff, how are you doing over there? I'm doing very well, Andrew. How are you doing today? I am doing fantastic. Ready to talk about some investing topic. Okay. This is the audio part of our business. If you do want to get access to our website, go to focuscompounding.com. And be sure to sign up using the podcast promo code, which is podcast. And I'll take $10 off the monthly subscription price indefinitely, as long as you stay a member. Good deal? Mm-hmm. Good deal. So somebody wrote in to us on Twitter, which my Twitter is at Focused Compound and, at, and Jeff's is at Jeff Gannon. That's G-E-O-F-F Gannon. And I thought it was a pretty good topic to talk about. And he said, Warren and Charlie talk about the importance of temperament in investing. Can you talk about this in on a podcast? So I said, okay, let's talk about it on the podcast. Okay. And that was from at, his handle is at M. K-O-N-U-R-I. So thank you very much for asking that. Um, for people that do want to uh, have certain questions, ask of us to go over on the podcast. Feel free to tweet at us or email at us, info at focuscompounding.com, and we will go over them. So temperament. What yes. do you, pretty important topic, I would say, mm-hmm. clearly, because yeah. things are pretty could get pretty emotional when um you know money is attached and sure um obviously it's a it's something that a lot of people talk about especially if you do follow warren and charlie yeah he talks about having the right temperament being more important than having high iq yep so what do you think about that sort of topic and when it comes to investing uh so honestly i feel like i can't give advice on this topic uh okay (laughs) podcast is over over. because people ask me this question all the time yeah and they ask me something about my temperament their temperament they're like i feel like this is different and stuff so i've I've mentioned on the blog before and stuff that i was diagnosed with asperger's which is if you've seen the big short or read the book or whatever michael burry that's a similar thing uh in some book that when uh, were you diagnosed with it uh 17 years old i think something like that so this is i don't know more than 15 years ago, let's say. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And so I, for a big reason, so for that reason, I think that some things that come easily to me uh, do not to other people and, and some things that come easy to other people do not for me. And in the case of uh, temperament, mm-hmm. I think that some things that are very difficult for other people are not a problem at all for me just because of that. Most likely that it can also be. Like when it comes to investing? Right. I mean, obviously yeah. we'll get too personal, but like no, 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 how yeah. so when it comes to investing? So uh, I think a huge thing in investing, maybe the biggest for people, is not like that they fear volatility or that they fear losing money or something, but regret. Mm-hmm. And I just, I don't have regrets. No, no I mean, FOMO. I just, I, I, no. And I just, it's, uh, and similarly, people have a lot of, uh, in a, I guess you could say positive way, they have a lot of nostalgia and things in the past that they like. Sure. Just like they have a lot of regret for things in the past that were bad, yeah. right? And they mm-hmm. focus on that a lot. And I don't have any regret. Um, it's just not something that, uh, I mean, I lose money or make money or whatever. And I look back and say, what did I know at the time and what did I do right and could I have known and things like that. So purely for you, it's just a pure objective mm-hmm. exercise, I guess you could say. It's not very emotional at all, the concept of regret. No. Yeah. And that's, I think, a pretty good trait for an investment manager, for sure. And it's very, uh, and uh, for a lot of people, it's a very big deal. Like the idea that they might have made a mistake. See, I don't uh, ever think about that. No? I mean, well, I mean, the mistake part maybe, but like FOMO, I mm-hmm. don't really get a lot of that. Okay. Or, or if like I, I sell stock and it just goes up a lot, I don't really think, if I, I'm just like kind of on to the next thing, I don't really, that doesn't yeah. bother me. I don't really think about it. I don't. I mean, yeah. I certainly feel bad that way for other people in terms of uh, uh, like Weight Watchers, which I, I owned and, and some other people followed me. Do you think you would have felt as bad if you didn't write about it though? No, not when I wouldn't have felt as bad yeah, at all. Exactly. What I mean is I feel bad for other people and not because if they lost money or they made money and made yeah. you know, whatever their situation was, but that it caused them so much emotional stress, these people. 
so much stress. <laughs> it caused you me getting, any of that stress. Were, were you getting a lot of emails? Constantly. So was some people were the email, email me on a daily basis. Were the emails stressing you out more or no? No, no, <laughs> they weren't stressing me <laughs> out. But I mean, they were stressed out. But what can I do for them? <laughs> yeah. Wow. I mean, you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And then, like, if there's no news or whatever, it gets like more and more. You know, uh-huh. it's it's some of it in some cases where people almost getting more and more hysterical over time. You know. Wow. Um. Yeah, and 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 not everyone was that way. So some people were not. So when people but, ask you about temperament, what do you typically tell them, or, or advice you give, or anything like that? That's a really hard. That's a really hard question. Um, because think, it's not. It's not something you can teach. I mean, in, in my opinion, I mean, I right. think you could become more experienced. So maybe you just could develop more of a stomach for certain things. Sure. But you're born the way that you're born. Right. And you can. And and uh, I. And you know, I said Asperger's, which is a neurological thing, but it can also be for some people cultural it can also be what they grew up in in their household and things like that sure so what were your parents like what did they like kind of reward and not what is your culture that you're in we have a lot of people from different countries and sometimes there's very big differences oh totally i could see that risk taking luck regret uh um uh being able to admit a mistake that you have made uh standing out in a bad way versus that not really mattering in some cultures you know all those things yeah no i think that's a good way of putting it so if somebody if you had to give the picture perfect temperament for investing, if you were mm-hmm. creating somebody yourself and you okay. want this guy to be a perfect investor, right. what would you do? Okay. What certain traits, temperament level, et cetera? No regret. Okay. Um, and uh, also a sense of um, process over results. I think that's basically a, appreciation for noise. I think that's beautiful. You know, um, that the idea that some of the investments that do work out uh, were mistakes, and some of the investments that don't work out um, were actually good decisions that you made based on what you knew at the time. Yeah. Um, a lot of times, it, it's difficult because when I judge a decision that I made in the past, sometimes the conclusion I come to is different than what other people would think because I might be thinking of it more in terms of the process. So, like, I owned a stock, uh, Barnes & Noble. Mm-hmm. And Barnes and Noble is a stock that I sold, and I consider a mistake for um, in terms of not uh, understanding the human element of it. And I've talked about that, but I don't know if I lost one percent or something. I I may have lost less than that if there was a dividend paid or something. But it, it was essentially a wash, right? But mm-hmm. I consider it a very big mistake. But on the other hand, there was a proxy battle, uh-huh. and the Riggio family very narrowly won the proxy battle. So when you're going back in time and thinking in terms of like probabilities and things. You have to remember this was even if you did make a mistake it we now know that uh that they won the proxy battle and stuff but there was some chance that they wouldn't uh-huh right sure and so you have to factor that into your decision about about the um investment and so what happened there is that i kind of had certain thoughts about what the business would be worth if they um did not pour the the free cash flow back into the nook well if they had lost the proxy battle they probably wouldn't have uh-huh. and there's probably some chance that even if they won they would decide not to do that. Sure. Right? And I was right about the things that were not the nook, mm-hmm. right? And it would have paid off eventually. So it's hard to evaluate that. It's actually hard to tell, was that a mistake and how big a mistake was that? Yeah. But to so many people, um, and, and to a lot of people, what I'm saying is I lost, like like I said, maybe it was 1% or something. The stock eventually, after years later and stuff, was down by a huge amount. Sure. The people who sold out, like when I did and stuff, may not give that any thought. The people who stuck in and it went down 50% and sold may think it's a terrible mistake that they made. Um, but 
the initial decision is really the same in either case. Sure. You know, it's just if you stuck with it. The outcome, yeah. Yeah, and I, I think too much people pay attention to that. And also then, of course, measuring. So you were talking about where we're talking about regret versus fear of missing out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's measuring yourself against other people. Yeah. So that's that's like envy and that's like things like that. Well, that's what Munger says envy is a sin, right? Yeah, well. It gets a lot I of people says, in trouble. <laughs> yes, and I think he says that it's uh, – the only one that you can't have fun doing. Yeah. Well, yeah. All the other things. <laughs> yeah, it's the best part. I should <laughs> yeah. leave that up. I think, you know what's the worst thing that I think that can happen to an investor? What? Not the worst thing, but okay. it's up there. It's him making money with the wrong process. Absolutely. Where a lot of it comes from luck or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Because that's only probably going to, you know, kind of screw him in, in the future. Yeah, we so thought, I think we, mm-hmm. sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but no, no, we no, talk no. about like focusing on the process, even if the outcome isn't originally or what you originally thought if you focus on having the right process over time you should do okay Mm -hmm. yeah i think that's absolutely true and um you had mentioned psychology in the mental models one. yeah Mm -hmm. um there's some experiments done with um uh with pigeons actually and they did uh they randomly um gave them reinforcement they gave them uh, like a treat or something yeah variable i'm looking at the list variable reinforcement (laughs) is actually on there so they they packed away um if i remember this i think the original concept was to see if you could get pigeons to um uh, aim bombs for you. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the idea is they just have to peck in the center of a um, uh, screen over and over again, peck on a target, basically. Sure. Right. But um, by doing that, uh, then obviously they're able to get them to continue to do it for a very long time. Yeah. In some cases, having very few treats uh, allowed them to continue doing this for an incredibly long time when they were getting nothing back again. Yeah. So if someone has huge payouts, if they do something where they invest in some way where it's a ten to one payoff early on. They may continue to use that process over and over again for an incredibly long time, yeah. mm-hmm. losing more and more money. You know, if the first thing you do is you go to the uh, into a casino, you walk in, you've never been in a casino before, and you put down on a single number on roulette and you win, yeah. the risk that you're going to keep playing roulette. <laughs> Just leave. you got to get out of there. <laughs> you know, it's bad, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. And it's probably worse than the person who goes in there, plays, and, and loses five times the person who wins and loses according to the casino's sure. edge over, you know. I think a good way to think about it is Charlie oftentimes talks about Warren, how he was sort of harder to pull away from the cigar butt yeah. because he was just so successful doing it in, in that investing style for so long, or he made just so much money, mm-hmm. which, I mean, I think that obviously makes a lot of sense. Right. Yeah, and he could have continued to do that if he did it at very small scale. He said yeah. before that it's it's the going with large amounts of money. But I think that some experiences that he had taught him not to do that. I mean, part of it for Warren, I think, is that the ugly experiences of like having to basically liquidate a company or turn it around. Yeah. That it maybe it's kind of, not all just trying to make as much money as possible. It's also I'd like life to be a little more pleasant than yeah. having to do those things. I don't want to be a liquidator. What what company was that? Was it Dempster, Dempster Mill probably yeah. was. Yeah, he said was like the whole town, town like hated yeah. him, right? Yeah, and for someone that supposedly hates criticism, like mm-hmm. he does, that probably yeah. was a weird episode for him. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I think you know, yeah. I'd say regret is one of the biggest one. Envy. What else do you think of temperament? Um, it's even it's even little things. Like I think there's certain things you can do to sort of help your temperament like, okay. when it comes to investing. Like um, turn CNBC off. I don't know. I know for a fact you don't watch CNBC, but you look at yeah. CNBC, right? And what is it? It's just a bunch of yes. noise and news and all these flashing tickers and and um, you know it just it can really make people act sort of irrationally with what's going on. It it, it feels newsworthy. Yeah, I mean, could you imagine being an anchor on there? I mean, they're expected to know everything about everything. Yeah, you know it's funny. Everyone likes to to uh, 
to sort of like joke about Jim Cramer. Okay. And I always sort of defend him. I'm like, you get up on TV and have a, no, have, a, have an opinion about something every night. I don't have an opinion about something. No, it's amazing what he does. Yeah. What he does is not. It's entertaining. What we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. But it's the, can, if you throw out a name, can he have a, a very yeah. <laughs> strong literally, literally opinion about it any stock out. Yeah. that you have? Yeah. You know, you throw out a, a stock name to me, I'll go, uh, no, <laughs> no, that's not and the I'll same say way. That about things that I've looked at for for hours and hours. I say like I have usually. no idea. I, okay. I, I don't know. Uh, I don't idea. know. Yeah, I always defend them. Like you get up on TV and have an opinion about everything, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. But I think a, a thing you can do to sort of improve your temperament, which I get, I understand it's not temperament, right? But turn off CMC. Maybe try not to look at your account as much or all day every day well some of those things you really can change the habits and the way that your your brain brain works and looking at certain things that way um it can take time but if you have a lot of habits that you react to some of those things news things and stuff i i used to read a lot of newspapers and things yeah and i don't and i'm not sure that i'll never read them again but i used to be more like warren buffett that way i read the wall street journal the financial times uh the two local papers um, yeah, that's what Munger, they asked him at the Daily Journal, what he reads. I think he said uh, Wall Street Journal, Financial Times, New York Times, and the LA Times. Yeah, I, and, when, and when I was in New Jersey, I would read the Financial Times, the um, Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, uh, the Star-Ledger, and then a very local paper yeah. in New Jersey, too. So, um, And I found over time that like the news aspect of it I didn't like as much because it makes it feel like you should have an opinion about things that are current right now. Yeah. And what I found is like uh, I had practiced doing some things where I would say, okay, well, instead I won't read it um, today. I'll save it for the end of the week and then read it. And I found so often that um, by then it just didn't seem to matter as much. What they thought was so important on Monday didn't matter as much on Saturday. Yeah, right. And that kind of taught me to not pay as much attention to news things that way. Yeah. And I've definitely changed in that way of that it's not as important to, you think that it's important to be informed and stuff, but it's more important to be informed in certain specific niches that you've picked out that you think are valuable than generally. No, I think that's a good way of putting it. And when you think about like liquidity, how it could make people sort of act irrationally. Yeah. I love it when Warren said nobody buys a farm because they think it's going to rain next year. Yeah. When he said that. Well, I mean, I thought that's a, a perfect analogy. Well, I made this comment about uh, a timber company that we talked about. And um, occasionally very illiquid timber stocks sell for less than the underlying timber does. Yeah. And the explanation is that it's illiquid. Now, the asset of the timber that's being traded in trades of you know, certain number of acres, say you want to trade, uh, you know, that you want to buy or sell a thousand acres of timberland is obviously less liquid than the stock that owns a hundred thousand acres. But because it's a stock, people get so concerned about the liquidity, mm-hmm. right? But you're not concerned about if you have a farm or a house or you actually own timberland yourself, you're not that concerned about whether you get a quote on it today and whether you can sell it. Mm-hmm. And related to that, I've talked a lot about people in um, OTC and illiquid stocks to be careful because they'll talk to me and they'll say, well, it went up 5%. It went down 5%. What's the news? Is something happening? Yeah. I'll say, that's 100 shares that yeah. were traded. Yeah, right. You know, and you might own, this person might own 5,000 shares. Why should we care that? Because the day ended and that was, you know, what had been traded was 100 shares. You're taking their opinion about that when you own, you know, many times what they own. Yeah. They're probably looking at yours and saying, oh, this person must know a lot because they're a big buyer in the sure. stock or whatever. You know what I yeah. mean? Uh-huh. Uh, but there's a belief that people have yeah. about that, about markets. Yeah. You know? And uh, and that's sort of what I mean by the noise thing. Essentially, a lot of that is noise. Yeah. And it, illiquid things can feel that way a lot because liquid and illiquid stocks, you know, they follow kind of a random walk when other things aren't happening in terms of just what noise is. That's what it'll look like. And for illiquid stocks, it's not going to spend a lot of time in the things in between. 
So you're going to see a $15 stock go to $16 and then $14.50. And people will swear that there's an explanation yeah. in there of what happened. Yeah. But if it's in Microsoft and it goes up by a fraction of a percent and then down and then up and then it, it doesn't feel the same way. Yeah. No, I think that's a really good, uh, really good point. It's like when people talk about temperament, like you're saying, like there's mm-hmm. an explanation. People always relate to like sometimes technical analysis and something like that. Right. Because they're know? trying to see in like, and that's the difficult thing is that we're both talking about something which is not purely the stock market and the investments you're making aren't purely determined. They're not like a deterministic sort of game that you're playing, Mm -hmm. but they're also not a totally random one. So like if you sit down at a chessboard and you play chess with someone else, all of that game is decided by the moves that the two of you made. There's no luck involved. Yeah. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's complicated in a way. It could be hard to predict how it'll end up, but it's all determined by you. Yeah. But then when we're talking about casino games, craps, that's a totally random game, Mm -hmm. right? There's, there's no skill involved and you're just throwing dice and that's what will happen. What you're actually seeing is something in between. And over shorter and shorter periods of times, it's going to look more like craps and less like chess. Yeah. But yet people will swear that it was like this decision that they made sometimes. The same way that, yes, it was a decision that you made in the chess game. That's why you lost yeah. it. Uh-huh. Right? But then you know logically it wasn't a decision you made in craps that you won the game. Right? Mm-hmm. It's somewhere in between that. Yeah. And over longer periods of time, sometimes it's more determined those ways. But we're talking, there's a lot of noise. And so you have to think a lot about process and not, and not about outcome because there's luck involved in it. Totally. The best, the investments that I made the highest percentages on were, I would say, generally good decisions. And when I look back on them, I say that the process was right. But I also say that there was luck involved in them outperforming what I think on the probabilities they should have done. Hmm. So I invest in Japanese net, and did really well. I invested in a stock called Bank Insurance, did really well. In both cases, I'd say I outperformed what I thought the probabilities were. And I think that's what you would say is luck. It happened faster and yeah, but do you bigger think that than I expected. comes from having a good process. Yeah. yeah. I, but what I'm saying is I thought they should return 20 or 30%. They return 40 or 50. Yeah. Right. But even that bothers people. Yeah. Because then you can't <laughs> compare it to those things. Yeah, right. Sure. So something I think should have worked out on average in three years happened in six months. Mm-hmm. That, then you have an incredibly good result. But in your mind, you're remembering that is the most impressive thing you ever did. Yeah. And then you buy something else where you think there might be a catalyst. Nothing happens for three years. You thought it would happen three years. Nothing happens for five years. In some cases, that's not really different, the two. You know, there, there's a chance every year that something you think will happen within three years is going to happen this year. Yeah. And if it does happen this year instead of in year three or in year five, then you're going to be amazed that you've got this amazing yeah. annualized return. Whereas sure. if it takes a little longer, it's not. It's true, right, that there are some things you could determine ahead of time that you could have figured out. Yeah. But some of it is just luck. No, I completely get that. You know, I, like I gave the example of the bank insurance thing. The truth is that I, here's to give you an example of how much luck there is. I wanted to buy that stock at an even lower price. And as it turns out, when you read the merger document, at the exact moment when I was going to try to buy the stock at what I thought was a really good price and I didn't get it at that price, the uh, board was finally saying to the CEO, okay, you can now make your offer for the company yeah. go public with it because the SEC thing is being resolved. I had no idea when the SEC thing would be resolved, any of that. So it's luck in terms of the timing. But if, on the other hand, if I had bought the stock not knowing anything, then the return would be even greater from yeah. that, right? Mm-hmm. You know, So it all depends on those sorts of uh, things that have to do with that, with, with the noisiness of it. But it doesn't change the fact that at all those different times, it was a good bet. It was the right stock to buy. It was the right probably process. Favored it. Right. So, and sometimes you can know that you'll have a 10% or better return on average, if this works uh, over time, you know, doing things like this, especially if you're doing five of these things, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But what you cannot predict is that this will be the one that does the 50%. And even like Buffett's partnership years and stuff, if you look at really what the record was, he has some stocks that seem to have done nothing for the year, 
and then they go up 100% that year. But he yeah. was in five different ones at the same time. They were all really good ideas. And then randomly something big would happen with one of them. Yeah. But you can easily fool yourself into thinking and seeing patterns in that randomness, right? Yeah. I mean, what do you think other than what I was talking about, about noise? No, I think I completely agree with you. And I think one way, if I had to boil it down to sort of, because I'm just trying to think how, I mean, he asked, how can you prove it? Okay, right. Yeah. And I'm trying to think of ways that he could some take away from it and how viewers can take away from it as well. Mm-hmm. And if I had to boil it down, what I think is a really logical way to looking at it is pretend that the stock market, your brokerage account, et cetera, is just a way to buy into it's a liquid way to buy into a real business so mm-hmm. almost as if you're a minority business and you think about your portfolio it's just a conglomerate that invests in public companies and i think that's a good way of thinking about it and that's what i yeah. that's the way i sort of think about it and then i don't really care where the stock's going to be you know today tomorrow next quarter i mean i hope it's going to be up of course right getting mm-hmm. back to the variable reinforcement but um that's sort of the way i think about it i don't know where any of the stock prices are going to be today, tomorrow, or even in the near future. But one thing I do believe in going in a lot of the companies that we go in is that mm-hmm. the fundamentals are going to be better and that the business fundamentally is going to be a more um, valuable business. And if you believe like we do that, or like I do, and I know you do too, that stock prices over time tend to reflect value. Yeah. I think that's an incredibly logical way of thinking about it. Yeah, I, I guess I have two pieces of advice. I don't know how good they are, but I think that they're specific. So you could try them out. One is keep an investment journal. And two is um, whenever you look at prices, just go into the chart and pick some amount of time. Could be a week, could be a month. Instead of thinking that last trade price, think what was the range for this month or whatever, Mm -hmm. right? And you'll realize that you'll be less fixated on this idea of this specific price at this moment or whatever. I've made this much money or whatever. In reality, you could have sold at any time in that week. You're not timing things within a week, within a month. So you could have gotten any price in that range. So if that range was that it was, you know, 30 to $35, don't think I sold the stock at $35. Start to think, oh, I could have sold that stock anywhere at 30 to 35. Yeah. You know? No, I think that's a great way of looking at it. I think that's a great way of looking at it. Well, we want to thank him for asking the question. That was pretty good. Mm -hmm. And for other individuals who want to ask questions of us, feel free to email in or message us on, on Twitter. Or you could also tweet at us and we will definitely talk about it. So we want to thank everybody for tuning in today. If you do want to get access to Jeff's weekly memo that he sends out on an investing principle that will be in your mailbox on a Sunday, go to focuscompound.com and on the homepage, you will see a spot for you to enter in your email. Yes. And it's uh, the memos are really great and they've been really popular. And I like to say they're fun to read. Are they fun to write? Are they fun to write? Yeah. Are they challenging to write? Uh they're fun to write uh, <laughs> mostly it's rewriting them not writing them trying to fit them in that yeah. amount of time yeah, that, ma- that space yeah because yeah, sure. I like to keep them very pithy I like to keep them short one page yeah one page and sometimes usually I pick a topic that's too big <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I have too much to say about it and then trying to uh, get it down that short yeah. sometimes I think it's like maybe people need to reread this a couple <laughs> times to get what I'm trying to say here but yeah yeah. and if you do become a member there's actually a database of all the past memos as yes, well yes you can see all the past memos that are archived there yeah so anyways go to do that on the homepage if you do want to join that distribution list other than that we will see you in the next podcast thank you very much for tuning in and have a great day